Chapter Ten of the Sealed Message by Fergus Hume. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Ten, the amulet. It is admitted that man as a whole is not infallible, but each individual man has a secret belief that he is. Haskins was no more complacent than other mortals; in fact, less so. Yet he had an idea that his caution and common sense invariably prevented his making mistakes assuredly as a rule he was rarely in error but to every rule there is an exception and haskins ill-judged frankness to mrs crosby was the exception in this case it said much for gerald's sane view of life that he recognized his mistake at once and at the cost of some unpleasantness hastened to correct it this entailed an interview with major rebb which was likely to be a stormy one at the outset gerald believed that he had read mrs crosby's character all wrong and that even after years of close companionship since she had been so intimate with his mother he knew very little about her had she really been that which he believed her to be she would he thought immediately on leaving lady smith court have readily helped him in his somewhat eccentric wooing but on calmer reflection he arrived at the conclusion that he himself was in error his first mistake lay in overlooking the relationship existing between rebb and the widow being engaged to him as she had admitted she certainly could not be expected to act against what she believed to be his interests and his second mistake consisted in hoping that mrs crosby who in many ways was particularly conventional would take charge of a girl believed to be insane it was only natural that mrs crosby should believe mavis to be mad as being willing to accept the major as her second husband she could scarcely credit him with conspiracy and if mavis was not insane her detention in the pixie's house was certainly a conspiracy against her rights as a human being gerald took this view from personal observation and because he mistrusted rebb but mrs crosby as engaged to marry the major could not be expected to endorse a theory which would render rebb unworthy of her hand or indeed of her acquaintance it may be here mentioned that haskins had not mentioned the wonderful likeness which existed between charity and mavis since the thought had flashed across him while speaking that such a statement might implicate todd in the mysterious business which was not to be thought of all mrs crosby practically knew was that gerald loved a reputedly insane ward of her promised husband and desired her to side against that promised husband so that he might marry the girl it was impossible to expect that any woman would act in this way and gerald acknowledged to himself that mrs crosby had behaved in a perfectly reasonable manner in refusing to help him in fact she had behaved extremely well in holding to her promise of one month's secrecy for many a woman would have told rebb then and there what had been said about him therefore mrs crosby was not only right but gerald felt that he was entirely in the wrong felt indeed that he had acted somewhat shabbily the sole way in which he could right matters and recover his self-respect was to see rebb as soon as possible and explain himself then as man to man they could thresh the matter out with this idea haskins drove back to his rooms in frederick street mayfair intending to change and pack and catch the midnight train from paddington to exeter but while dressing he reflected that it would be better to first assure himself that mrs crosby was correct in stating the major's whereabouts rebb's rooms were also in frederick street and only a few doors away so it would be just as well to run in and make inquiries rebb might return on the morrow in which case it would hardly be worth while to journey to denley so hurriedly also mrs crosby having promised to hold her tongue for one month there was no necessity to act at once since two or three or even more days would make very little difference 
finally gerald was unwilling to return to the pixies house and to mavis until he knew if his theory regarding a possible will was correct otherwise he would have nothing to tell her while meditating on the desirability of calling at reb's rooms gerald desired to smoke to aid his thoughts after the manner of men he mechanically took his cigarette case but found some difficulty in opening it as his case was usually easy to open he looked down with awakened attention to see what was the matter and found that he had brought away mrs crosby's cigarette case by mistake probably he had laid his own case on the small table alongside hers and in fact he remembered doing so and when departing had unconsciously taken the one which did not belong to him he resolved to return it at once by post but meanwhile took a cigarette therefrom to smoke since there were no others in his rooms this entailed opening the case and when it was open a small object which had been placed within fell out this proved to be a tiny coral hand clenched and holding a dagger something like those amulets which are sold in naples to avert the evil eye a little gold ring was screwed into the coral so that the trinket could be attached to a watch-chain or to a bracelet after a careless glance and a passing thought as to why mrs crosby should use her cigarette-case as a jewel-box haskins placed the coral hand on top of the cigarette-case which he laid on the mantelpiece then he lighted up and walked out to seek the major's rooms these as had been said were only a few doors distant and haskins speedily arrived on the first floor of the somewhat dingy house wherein they were situated he found the door open and a mild-looking valet talking to a veiled woman with a graceful figure while waiting to address the man himself gerald heard him state to the lady that his master had gone to devonshire on the previous day and would be back within four-and-twenty hours the lady appeared annoyed but declined to leave a card or to give any message however she stepped aside fuming as haskins guessed from the way in which she stamped her foot and clenched her hands and permitted him to speak gerald asked the same question as to the major's whereabouts and received the same answer upon which he produced his card tell major rebb when he returns that mr haskins wishes to see him on a private matter mr gerald haskins added the young man handing the card then he turned away wondering why the veiled woman should utter a muffled exclamation of surprise when she heard the christian name but his wonder was still further increased when on descending the stairs he felt his arm grasped and found that the strange lady was at his elbow you are a mr gerald she said in deep contralto tones may i call you prince gerald haskins started it was in this way that mavis addressed him but this woman could not be mavis for she was too thin and too tall and her voice was too worn could she be bellaria he said tentatively bellaria assented the woman softly they were standing on the pavement by this time take me somewhere safe i wish to speak to you my rooms are close at hand said haskins promptly and wondering at this unexpected encounter with one whom he had believed to be miles away we can go there at once bell hush she clutched his arm again and looked over her shoulder as she had looked when in the quadrangle don't say that name here they may hear they may hear who may hear never mind never mind come inside come inside oh dio no mention of a my name and she hurried away into the doorway indicated by gerald in a few minutes they were in haskins sitting-room and again bellaria's nervousness betrayed itself there is no one can hear us 
she asked her veil up and her eyes roving round the room no no replied the young man soothingly the man and his wife who attend to me in these chambers are below you can talk freely by the way he asked abruptly how did you know my name bellaria looking more aged and haggard than ever flung herself into an armchair and laughed uncomfortably prince gerald who calls you prince gerald mr haskins mavis does but then it is true what she confessed to me that a you love her and she loves a you quite true rejoined haskins quickly we met by chance and by a chance repeated bellaria scornfully when a you deliberately came where you had a no business to come i a no all how did you find out gerald was perfectly calm when he asked this question as she did not seem to be hostile i saw that a mavis was not a herself that she was a disturbed and guessed that a she was keeping a something a secret from me i watched and saw her lead a man across the quadrangle when she came in that night i told her what i had seen and so she confessed about the sealed message and about her secret meetings with you also that you are desired to marry her fool cried valeria pointing a scornful finger at her host would you marry a mad woman not in making mavis durham my wife said haskins coolly she is perfectly sane and i bellaria dandy say that she is not are you sane yourself asked haskins turning the tables on her the woman reared herself in her chair gripping the arms and directed a fierce gaze at him what do you mean she demanded why did you not come out and face me when mavis talked with me in the garden he remarked meeting her gaze firmly and fairly because because oh there is no explanation i think there is you dare not venture out after dark so you waited until mavis entered the house to question her how do you know that i dare not venture out after dark she asked and her figure seemed to dwindle and shrink mavis told me mavis knows nothing nothing do you hear god forbid that she should ever know anything but my business is my own business and has nothing to do with you prince gerald mavis is a crazy she would kill you as soon as i look at you at certain times i don't believe that for one moment you must you shall if a mavis is not mad why should her guardian shut her up in a lonely house that said gerald very dryly is what i went to major rebb's room to ask when i met you bellaria arose much astonished you will dare to face the major haskins laughed do you take me for a schoolgirl of course i shall face the major and a dozen like him if necessary you are a brave man and major rebb what is he the kindest and best friend that a miserable woman ever had retorted the woman fiercely not a word against the major i won't hear a word i tell you what he does is right not in shutting up mavis she is a mad i tell you mad and dangerous bellaria came close to where gerald was sitting and looked down into his face with a determined expression 
on a learning of what i did a learn from mavis i came up at once to tell major rebb so that he might a stop it i fear major rebb will find it somewhat difficult to stop it he is not the ruler of the earth so far as i know he is a my ruler cried bellaria grandiloquently so i should think when the mere wish to give him information makes you risk risk what risk what she demanded quivering haskins shrugged his square shoulders your life for all i know she stood looking at him with clenched hands the expression on her worn face hovering between terror and defiance you talk of what you do not understand she said breathing hard quite right but i should like to understand understand what why bellaria dondi who was a famous singer should bury herself in a lonely devonshire house to keep a sane girl prisoner you have been a-listening she cried out in terror how do you know that i was a singer i heard you sing the shadow song from denora during one of my visits and when hidden behind the beech-tree near the wall i heard you say that you had been a great singer bellaria covered her face with two thin hands and the tears fell through her fingers i was a great i was a famous she sobbed i was a happy until jealousy undid me but she let her hands drop and flung back her queenly head i only did what any italian woman would have done he betrayed me why should i not betray him major rebb no enrico salviati who swore that he loved me yet left me for another but i punished him he died and perhaps i shall die as he did for all my care they will find me and then oh what agonies i have suffered for many many years this face she struck it was a handsome enrico loved it these lips enrico kissed them with the kiss of a judas and what better am i what better am i she rushed to the mirror over the mantelpiece to address herself bellaria dondi you can hide in the depths of the sea but they will find you you can ah <gasps> her eyes fell on the silver cigarette case of mrs crosby upon which lay delicately the clenched coral hand with the dagger ah oh, she repeated and staggered back what is the matter gerald rose and came forward bellaria repelled him with both hands shaking with dread keep back you english spy you have brought me here you are one of them but if you use the knife i shall scream keep back keep back i don't understand gasped haskins amazed at this outburst the hand the sign the token of a death she groaned then keeping her terrified eyes on gerald stole stealthily to the door tana aitana lasso me si davvero tana tana uttering these words rapidly and almost in a scream she made the sign of the cross on her breast and vanished by the time that haskins in pursuit had reached the top of the stair she was at the foot a moment later and she ran swiftly into the street holding her veil closely over her pallid face what the deuce does it mean gerald asked himself as he returned to his sitting-room and examined the coral hand this thing seems to have terrified her almost to death 
tana tana hm i must learn what that means it is an italian word i expect now what he went on musing on the strange behaviour of signora dundi much perplexed and did not notice that a lady was standing in the doorway her cough made him look round and so unnerved was haskins by his late experience that he fairly jumped mrs birch he said recognising the lady at once i apologise for not seeing you i apologise also said mrs birch in the stern voice habitual to her apologise that is for entering unannounced but the door was open gerald so i took the privilege of old friendship and entered delighted to see you mrs birch said haskins wondering why she had come won't you sit down for one minute and she took a chair mrs birch was a tall thin woman with a worn white face and hair as black as her eyes notwithstanding her age which was over sixty she was dressed in some lustreless dark material without any trimming and carried herself very erect in fact there was something of the roman matron about her so stern and proud did she appear gerald liked her as she had always been kind to him but mrs birch was something of an enigma to him he could not understand why so bold and determined a woman should have submitted to the brutality of her late husband yet mrs crosby's father had behaved like a demon to his wife as gerald had learned from his mother she adored her daughter and as the saying is lived again in her child you wonder why i have called said mrs birch in an unemotional voice which always reminded haskins of one talking in sleep especially when i was lying down with a headache when you came but madge asked me to bring you this and she produced gerald's cigarette case thank you i left it behind by mistake and took madge's here it is mrs birch arose and received the dainty trifle that is all i called about gerald i shall take it back to madge at once she was much disturbed at losing it i don't know why she should have been said haskins she must have guessed that i had taken it and would send it back oh by the way you may as well put this into it i opened the case for a cigarette and found this it fell out and he passed along the coral hand mrs birch's dead white face flushed and her black eyes glittered i am glad that is not lost she said eagerly it was this that madge was anxious about what is it some ornament to which madge attaches some value i fancy huh is it the badge of any society mrs birch's flush face faded to a chalky white why do you ask gerald asked a question in his turn did madge tell you what i came to see her about no madge never betrays any one's confidence but i heard your story you heard it haskins stepped back a pace in his astonishment yes said mrs birch coldly and slipping the case along with the coral hand into her pocket i was asleep on the sofa in the other room which is as you know divided from the drawing-room by curtains i woke to hear what you said about that girl and major rebb in the interests of my daughter i listened and you intend to tell major rebb no madge asked me to hold my tongue and indeed gerald i would do so for your own sake major rebb is an ill man to meddle with haskins threw back his head defiantly i am not afraid of rebb he said in a haughty tone i went to see him to-day to explain myself but he is in devonshire gone to see his unfortunate ward i expect when he returns i shall demand an explanation he may not give it to you said mrs birch pursing up her mouth 
he must i love mavis and i intend to marry her but if she is mad she is not mad and-well mrs birch there is no use in my talking to you on the matter i did wrong to speak to madge about it since she is to marry major rebb madge will hold her tongue as she promised and so shall i gerald thank you both replied gerald courteously but there will be no need after to-morrow i intend to see rebb as i said to learn what to learn said haskins why he shuts up his ward seeing that she is not in my opinion insane also to learn why bellaria who watches mavis buries herself in the pixie's house i heard you talk of the woman said mrs birch in her chilliest manner and i presume that bellaria stops in the pixie's house because she is major rebb's servant there is more in it than that bellaria came to see major rebb this very day and came also here to me since she knows that i visited mavis bellaria is terrified out of her life because of some people who seek her life when she saw that coral hand which was lying by chance on the mantelpiece she rushed away accusing me of being in league with some society to kill her at least that was what i gathered from what she said but it was sheer raving i think so indeed said mrs birch quietly this coral hand is merely an ornament given by signor venosta whom you met to-day to madge it means nothing gerald so think no more about it but when she departed gerald did think and it was little wonder that he did so End of chapter ten